Excellent. Thank you very much for being part of it. and welcome to the Joust. My name is Nagy. I'm here as always with my co-host Lee McNeil. But Joust, as we have a very special guest for you tonight, this man is a two-time Premiership winner, chalking up 190 games for our beloved team, the Knights. Uh, he's done. He, he said he's sort of handed everything uh, from uh, minor to mechanic, uh, and also uh, tried his hand at acting as well, appearing in a 1988 favourite Australian film, uh, Young Einstein. Please welcome to the Joust, Billy Peden. Thank you, boys. It's <laughs> nice to be here. Good to have you, Billy. Thanks for coming on. Now, we've got to ask, what was like? What was Yahoo like? Was Yahoo, he, uh, he was a very strange man. I've, really? I've, I've played footy with some strange blokes, but uh, he takes the cake. <laughs> <laughs> but really, we we didn't have a great deal of interaction with him. I was I was a kid, and it was um, it was just something that I think one of my mates' old man was in the Lions Club or something, and they just advertised that they wanted extras, and we said, yeah, yeah, we'll go, and not expecting <laughs> that we'd be in it. it turned up in the movie. <laughs> That's incredible. So that was around 1988. So obviously that was pre-nights. Uh, and then, and then the knights came along, and your you know your fate was sealed. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to start. From, we'll start from the, the beginning. Obviously, uh, you know, starting with the knights in the uh, in the early nineties. Was it nineteen ninety? Was it somewhere in then? Yeah, ninety four was ninety four. Okay, yeah. well, so. um, it was it was a funny old scenario for me. I um I started late. I, I played I think five senior years footy for Cessnock and and you know made the local rep team, but nothing really special and. Just turned out that um, a, a former player of the Knights came up and coached at Cessnock, Stevie Fulmer, and and I think uh, Matty Johns had always been asking them to give their mate, his mate Billy from Cessnock a go. So <laughs> I think when Joey got on the bandwagon as well, Joey Fulmer, they um, they finally thought, oh, we'll give this bloke a go from Cessnock. So, <laughs> what yeah. is it with the with the uh, the Cessnock contingent and out from the mainland as well? Curry yeah. Curry also around that time was Cur producing some players. Yeah, we got Mark Hughes from Curry Curry, obviously uh, the Johns boys from Cessnock yourself. Was there something in the water out there? It seems to be all at the, at the same time a big push. Oh, it's it's just a strange one, I think. You know, it's just but always been a great nursery. The Newcastle local league's always been a great nursery for rugby league and. I just think um, I think we were passionate about it at the time, and you have to be like that. You have to be passionate about what you're doing, and you have to like it to be good at it. I think so. I think we just were lucky that uh, the you know the chips fell our way, and we got our few opportunities, and and we were lucky enough to make the most of them. Incredible! Like obviously, a lot of uh, a lot of Knights fans uh, remember. Um, you especially in that 2001 uh, grand final scoring two tries in 2002 you left the club and went to the London Broncos uh, how, how was that as a bit of a bit of a change yeah it was great I, I actually played with the Knights in 2002 but went in 2003 to, to London and yep. uh, really loved it the, I really enjoyed the footy over there and I think it's it's a funny old situation in that I think some really good players from over here can struggle over there and vice versa you know so it was i think the game suited me and i really enjoyed it as well so uh, i think i just enjoyed the different culture change as well you know you go from from newcastle where um you know you miss a goal kick to to lose a game or something and you go to the movies on wednesday night and old ladies have a go at you, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> tell you how they could have kicked it bloody Whereas, knights nanas mate yeah, they're, they're brutal aren't they they are but we love them you know yeah. <laughs> but um you know you do it in, you play in london and uh you can you can do something fantastic and there's maybe two lines in the local paper so because it's just 
soccer and uh, rugby union over there. So it was a it was a great change and a different change of pace for me. Obviously, growing up in uh, in Cessnock and playing all uh, your, your footy career up to that point in the Hunter, how was it uh, moving over to London and and you know moving the family over there as well? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we took the family and it was uh, it was just a great experience. I, I loved it. I I didn't I didn't think I'd enjoy it as much as what I did. I I was always of the opinion I never wanted to go to Sydney because it was the big smoke and all that. I, I was just happy being a Newcastle lad and just enjoyed it and. Um, but what made me go to England was that um, all through my career I'd seen all the better players had gone and finished their career in England and I just thought the more I watched of it the more I thought geez I'd like to do that you know and and to get that experience is something that you just can't buy you know I would have loved to have to have traveled as a younger man but uh, A didn't have the money and B I was (laughs) trying to play footy also yeah getting paid to travel and play footy but that's got to be the ultimate dream yeah, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, it was great. You know, you know, I speak to a lot of people, and they they sort of shared houses with people, and did this and that and the other to, to get overseas and whatnot. And you know, we were lucky enough to—I was lucky enough to take my family over and have a house and not have to share it with other people. <laughs> well, I was about to say, it sounds like the Super League over there. They do have some pretty uh, social players. As a younger man, do you think you would have uh, done a few things differently if you'd gone to the Broncos early? <laughs> Possibly, yes. <laughs> but we'll, and we'll leave it at that. That'll remain. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, when he came back, uh, you, you had the, the opportunity to come back to the Newcastle Knights uh, in, in a different role. Uh, a bit of a change of hat uh, as a, uh, the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, how was it returning back to the club after, obviously, a very successful tender there? Yeah, it was... Oh, was it was something I was really proud to do. It was uh, I was really tossing up. I'd, I'd injured my knee in my last game for London, and I was really tossing up whether to go back for one more year. And and they didn't come up with the amount of money I wanted at first, and so that made the decision for me. And then then at the last minute, the eleventh hour, they did. So it was a an old order you agreed to to come back home. So um, I thought there was probably more future in doing that than just playing one more year as a rusty old footballer. You know. So, <laughs> So I took on that challenge and I loved it. It was really good. Um, we had a really tough year. My second or second year back, we was the year we had a heap of injuries, and I think we came last in two thousand five. Yeah, yeah. So that that was a real challenge. Um, you know, a lot of the coaching staff were under a lot of pressure, and that was a, it was a challenging period. You know, watching the team that you you would do anything for really struggling. You know, so that was that was a tough period, but. They're, they're the periods that make the good ones good, you know. Like it, you can't can't play in sale all your life and <laughs> exactly and think it's you good, can't you know? fully experience the good without having let's face it the shit times. Yeah. But that's something the Knights seem to do really well, you know, is get the old boys back, keep involved in the club. When you left the Knights, was that kind of part of the plan? Had they spoken to you about coming back, or it, did it just happen pretty pretty organically? I guess it, it happened organically. I really didn't see it as a natural progression. It was. Um, I, I, I'd had enough at the Knights. I, I'd, I'd had enough in the NRL and, and I'd wanted a different challenge. So I went to England and and it got to the point where I thought, oh, shit, what am I going to do now? <laughs> so, um, and I got back home and spoke with Mick Hagan and, and a few of the other coaching staff and, and it just sort of worked out that it, that it was going to happen. So uh, I went down that path and I did it for three years and like I say, really enjoyed it. And then I actually moved back to London and did it over there for another three. Harlequins, so, was it? The yeah, uh, Harlequins yeah. Rugby League. So... Which was the same club as the Broncos. They just they had previously gone broke and changed names. They were bought oh, by yeah. the Harlequins Rugby Union. So <laughs> we had a rugby union and a rugby league arm. It was uh, it was interesting and it was good to see what the other side, uh, the dark side, used to do. Because that would have been it would have been strange, I imagine, going from Australia where leagues king over to 
to England where unless you're up in the north, you know, it's a rugby union strong stronghold. Stronghold. That's the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah stronghold. Yeah. And we were based in Twickenham as well, which is the heart, heartland of rugby union. So we'd gone from being the dominant sport rugby league to the, the little brothers in London, you know. So it was you know, we'd turn up to train in our Ford Fiestas and whatnot and <laughs> they'd be turning up in the Range Rovers. Same <laughs> <laughs> so. city boys, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Was it hard to go from that uh, player into coaching role, especially like being around as a strength and conditioning coach uh, to, you know, did you get that fire back? You'd be like, oh, I want to get out there myself. Um, at times you did. Uh, during As part of that role, I used to have to run on the field, similar to what Alfie does these days. And it's very hard not to, to verbalise what you'd like to <laughs> when you get out there sometimes. And particularly because I'd only just finished playing, there was a couple of blokes I'd played against and with that, that either I disliked or really liked, you know. <laughs> so it was um, to distinguish the fact that I wasn't a player anymore was something that, that took a little bit of effort sometimes. Now, 97, uh, i got to ask, because it was such a, like, it, it, for me, it was such a huge part of my life and, and Liam's as well. Um, even though Liam's a bit of the Closet Bears fan back in 97. Well, yes, we're about <laughs> to touch on that. Well, now, yeah, is... I've got to ask, you know, we've, you've just beaten the Bears in 97. The, you're in the grand final for the first time. Uh, can you remember what it was like coming back to Newcastle as uh, about to enter that grand final? Yeah, I, but look, to be honest, the absolute details probably escaped me, but, <laughs> but um, just the, just the, thought process that we were actually going to play in a grand final was something that was so far from what I thought I could have achieved when I was in my early teens or late teens you know like I was just knocking around and just knocking doing my best you know and next thing you know we're, we're playing for the Knights and we're going to go to the grand final so that was um that was a pretty confronting thing for me I was a bit nervous at first and then then uh just coming back home the support that we got I think on the Tuesday afternoon, we went down to Sydney for the grand final breakfast on the Wednesday morning, and people were lining the streets for us to leave on the Tuesday, and we were coming back. <laughs> so I think we all got a sense of the enormity of what was happening and, and that it was bigger than just a footy game. You know, It was more about community and, and what, what the club could give back to the community for what it, the community had given it over the years. So... I think, and Chief spoke very well about that sort of stuff. And it was just something that was, I've often said that you just wish that your mates could have experienced, like all your mates could experience what we got to experience through that period. It's just such a, a surreal, sort of fun, nervous, anxious time, you know, and it, it was great. Which is incredible because in the 20 years since, you know, you hear plenty about the game and the wrap up and what happened after the game, but there's not too much covered, I don't think that I've read about the lead up to it, but it just must have been a whirlwind. Uh, it was massive. And I think even to the point where the night before the game, we'd done our video session and we were just having tea and, and Chief just got up and said, right, everyone in my room. And his room wasn't that big, you know. You know Chief's a big star. And, you know, that sort of thing. But, <laughs> and a big human. And a big human. So there, and there was a, quite a few big humans in the room. So it was very, um, very touchy-furly. But... Um, you know, Chief got up and spoke and Mark Glanville spoke and a couple of the other boys said, uh, you know, Tony Butterfield, Matty, Andrew Johns just spoke from the heart about what it meant to them and what they dreamed of growing up. And, um, you know, we, we walked out of that room at 9.30 at night wanting to play then. <laughs> it was just, I'd, I'd never had that feeling of unity before and it was just, um, it was just amazing. And from pretty much that moment on, we knew we were in it up to our eyeballs, you know, like, because we knew no one gave us a chance at it either. 
we hadn't beaten Manly for eleven games in a row or something like that. So, yeah. and they were the incubate uh, grand, you know, they were the premiers that, that you were, they were coming up against. I think we come in massive underdogs at the time. Not that yeah. everyone can remember that now with uh, the fairy tale finish. Um, That's it. We've washed away all the bad stuff. Thank you. <laughs> we don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> now, now you're part of the club for uh, arguably the most successful um, period through between that, you know, '97 uh, leading up to 2002, um, where it seems to be the Knights were almost final staples, just um, in in a lot of those years. Um, but there was also a lot going on in the club uh, around that time as well. There was uh, obviously the coach Warren Ryan um, that uh, reading uh, Robert Dillon's book recently, Hard Yards. Um, Great read, actually. Yeah, if you're a Knights fan, pick it up. It's brilliant. It's very footy nerdy <laughs> stuff, but that's my bread and butter. Yeah. I love it. It's phenomenal. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's a fantastic read. But the read, there might have been a bit of tension around uh, around, around Warren uh, and coaching the club uh, leading into those uh, that final series as well and that qualifying final against the Roosters. Yeah, there was. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure Wok wouldn't step away from the fact that he's a controversial figure. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> as that footage probably showed a couple of years ago. But, um, but on, look, Wok's, a, I found him a great coach. He's, he's probably one of the greatest footy minds that I've spoken to, um, apart from probably the Johns brothers and a few others. But um, he, he had a very gruff manner and it just didn't suit some people um, for, the, for what ever reason whether it's egos or you know depending on what people needed to hear to get the best out of themselves so um you know uh, there was meetings where um you know revolts and all that were spoken about um and and it, it certainly made it hard going into the semi-final series in 2000 knowing that there was that undercurrent there of um disharmony yeah when i spoke about 97 the 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 harmony and and team spirit you know I think the team had a great team spirit, but uh, there was just that little bit of um, a bit of disjointedness, I suppose, is probably the word you'd use. Yep. And, um, and, you know, I, th- I think that, w- that 2000 team was probably one of, the, one of the best teams I ever got to play in, you know, with some of the players that were there. It was, uh, it was a great footy team and, and a really fun team to play in. So it's just a shame that, um, you know, a few personalities probably clashed and, and it didn't really work out the way we hoped it would have you know we you know, we thought we were a pretty good chance i think we were playing eastern suburbs yeah in the grand final qualifier 16 nil up and you know we thought we were off to the big dance again and we ended up on the big bus going home yeah it must have been a different thing to um to come to terms with obviously being there before uh coming at, fighting against the odds uh to to come up um you know being the bears to, to play manly and then being in that position again must have been something you know a bit would have been hard to take probably is a massive understatement and something that we could all uh, uh, probably not come to grips with. Um, so, you know, and also there was a real, you know, in the last few years there was a real sort of changing of the guard, you could say, uh, in, in um, you know, players like um, Matty Johns and, and that was Butts' last year and Chief retiring in 99. 99, I think it was. yeah. And so uh, how was it uh, now? You've got 2001 coming in to, with a new coach, uh, Mickey Hagen, and, and, uh, and, you know, starting that year afresh. How, how was that? Oh, it was good. You know, you, you speak to anyone that, that's been coached by Hags and they'll give him a rap. He's just, um, he's, got, he's got a great knowledge. He's got a great demeanour. He, he never gets flustered. Um, and I think that's partly why it worked, you know. We, uh, we, we, like you say, you just mentioned the names that we lost. You know, we also lost Dave Fairley, Peter Shirls in 2000. Um, we lost Chief in the back end of '99. You know, you, you lose those that quality of player, and then come out and win the comp a couple a year or two later. It's a pretty 
pretty big achievement for a, for a rookie coach. Remembering that that was Hague's first first grade coaching assignment. He he coached reserve grade previously, I think, at Canberra, uh, and the the year before with us. So that's um it's a pretty special achievement. I think there's only himself and Gus Gould and maybe one or two others that have done it. It's yeah, and it's like you mentioned before. You know, once you have the hard times. And then you get the good times. It must feel, you know, so much better. So 2001, after going through a few years while close, but, you know, I, I can't remember who it was, but someone in hard yards, I think it was Tony Butterfield, said that the preliminary final loss against the Roosters was just unbearable. It, it was worse than anything he's ever felt, you know. To go through those rougher years after 97, 2001 must have just felt unbelievable. It must have, you know, truly, I guess you guys would have savoured it quite a bit. Absolutely, yeah. It was just one of those things that... It, and we had copped a fair bit of criticism through that year, you know, that people had said, oh, defence wasn't up to it and the forwards weren't strong enough and, uh, you know, you name it, people came up with it. So um, when the final whistle went and we'd won the won the comp, it was, uh, you know, it was, you could see the pride beaming on a few of the boys' faces and a bit of, you know, get that up, you know. <laughs> um, Good, that's yeah. what we want to hear, yeah. And, and, and it was very much like that, you know. It was, um, it was a great effort and... Uh, it's it's hard to find a negative with all that sort of stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, but um, yeah, well, one negative there was. So we um, a few of the boys wanted to get a a picture of the trophy in the nude. So we got um, <laughs> we got one of the Herald um, photographers. I can't his name escapes me at this moment. But um, we all got here and and tastefully um, hit all the pieces that you need to hide, <laughs> and um. So we thought, oh, yeah, that's just for us. And it ended up on the back page or maybe the front page <laughs> of the paper that week. <laughs> and, uh, and here, or, and it gets better, 10 or 12 years later, I'm working in a coal mine, which probably goes on to what you're going to talk about later <laughs> as well. But yeah. I'm working in a coal mine. And, and I think when Matt Gidley was made CEO of the Knights, the front page of the paper again was the old nude photo again. I was going, here I am 10 years later and I still can't escape that nude photo. Oh, I've got a few photos like that, mate. Don't <laughs> they, you, they, you never get away from them, Billy. You never do. I think it's, a, it's just the uh, this time, this day and age, you know, the photos mm. now, especially with photo, you know, citizen journalists, everyone's a photographer <laughs> now with, uh, you know, it's a minefield out there, yeah. especially when you, you, if you're in the public eye. But so 2001, uh, you're coming into that grand final with Parramatta. Again, uh, you know, underdogs, Parramatta had one of the... the Probably, I think to this date the greatest attacking season statistics wise yeah. anyway mm. yeah yeah and they, they looked uh, they looked the money there was uh, I think it was Mark Hughes that was saying uh, coming into that um, the the breakfast the grand final breakfast uh, mm. and uh, you could see the the more camaraderie between the the Knights players but the Eels looked a little bit more uh, uptight can you remember anything about that bre breakfast yeah absolutely I they lined us up in the corridor I can't remember which hotel it was it was some fancy hotel and they lined us up in the corridor as we were having to parade out on the stage and you could see the Earl's boys like literally you could touch them they were that close to us and you could they just did said look like I don't know rabbits in the headlights they, <laughs> they looked like they'd been playing the game every day that whole week and they they just looked spent and um we walked away from that breakfast going, I reckon we got these boats. <laughs> That's so, brilliant. Yeah, so now, the big thing I remember out of that, though, and it's probably showing how my mind works, is that the eels wore turtlenecks under jackets and were widely sprayed in the press. Do you well, think that, that came into it? it? Doesn't yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a terrible look at the time, but I didn't know any better. <laughs> but um, did that come into it at all, Billy? Was that... Uh, 
I'd like to say it did, but um, <laughs> we, we were more working on their body language rather Fair than call. their dress sense. <laughs> Fair call, yeah. That's probably for the best. That's why I'm not an NRL coach. <laughs> 2001, uh, you know, game kicks off. You're coming in underdogs again. Uh, and, the you know, watching that first 40 minutes especially um, and obviously Joey just controlling that game. Poss- possibly, you know, it was a real... Uh, you know, it was a clinic on on a, on a halfback, um, uh, controlling that game. Uh, but then yourself, you know, you know, scoring. I think you scored thirty one tries for the NRL in, in your in your tender there. But you know, not a known try score. You managed two in the grand final in the first half. I think it was. Uh, what was going through your mind? Uh, you know, getting that, getting you know, not just one in the grand final, but but the second as well. Yeah, was, what do I say? Uh, it's a, one of the biggest flukes in sporting history. What well, was it? Sometimes the sun does shine on a dog's bum. <laughs> yeah, it was actually dog's ass. I used to say. <laughs> Ah, see, you've been misquoted, sorry, yeah. Billy. That's the sun a even do- shines on a dog's <laughs> ass every now and then. So, uh, Yeah, look, it was one of those things. I, I had a funny conversation with Mark Sargent leading up to the game. I said uh, we, wa- we were doing a walk around the game. He was the footy manager and there's the Knights head. And I said, geez, I'd love to score a try on the Knights head in a grand yeah. final, you know. Yeah. Had no idea. Absolutely thought that it was impossible for me, <laughs> and uh, sure enough, scored the first try on the ninth head in the grand final. So it was, uh, it's just one of those things that happened. Um, there was some great lead up work from the boys, and you know, just uh, things came together. And I think that first half, we um, I think we only made one error, and that well, it might have been Bedsy dropping the ball with about a minute to go in the first half. So the whole first half, we virtually made no mistakes, uh, you know, maybe the odd missed tackle here or there, but um. In terms of the big stuff, we, we never really made any mistakes and everything we worked on had just worked. And I think I think a lot of that came down to the way we conducted the week. Hagues was really relaxed. Um, you know, at that stage, I was, I'd, I was 30. Um, we had a few of the older players had been around, played quite a few games that they weren't easily... Um, the w- unflappable, really, I suppose. You know, you got Ben Kennedy there, who's, who's supremely confident. You got Matt Parsons, who you know, just nothing worries him. And we just got through the week, enjoyed it, really enjoyed the the lead up. Whereas you could just tell the Parramatta boys were probably struggling with the anxiety of being favourites and and the expectation that was put on them. Now, going into that um, second half, obviously, coming just off the back of that 2000 game where you're 16-0 up in the, in the qualifying final, and now you're in the grand final, and I think it was probably around similar, um, I think 18 points up or something very close to that. Um, what, did you have any, uh, think, you know, were you thinking to yourself, this, uh, this is all happening again, let's not, uh, let's not oversell ourselves, let's uh, really try to push this to the end? Um, no, no, the, the, uh, to be t- in my mind, there was no thought of the year previous. Um, maybe there was in a few others, but not that I'm aware of, um, that Parra did come back fairly strongly. And um, I, I remember Joey went for a couple of field goals and I was just thinking, mate, let's score tries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, You just uh, wanted a third, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. <laughs> Hat-trick in the grand final. Yeah. That yeah. Been, well, <laughs> like I say, sunshine's in a dog's ass. I, I, had t- I had to take advantage of it. But, um, you know, it was just, uh, it just, like I say, it just worked. And we were... Like by the time the Earls were really coming back, we, we knew we had it in the bag. And, and to be totally honest, we went into the halftime break knowing we were going to win a grand final. So it was, uh, it was a pretty nice feeling compared to the other grand final where it was just back to the wall. We didn't know what, what was going on. We were just ripping in and see what was turning out, you know. So <laughs> it was, uh, I think uh, Maddie and Joey had a bit of an idea on the outcome, but 
they always used to say to blokes like me, they'd say, let us worry about the result. You just rip in and go do your best. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I literally used to let them worry about it. I just used to rip in and try and do whatever I could. That's brilliant. <laughs> so it's four years down the track and you've just won your second grand final. Coming back into Newcastle, uh, was it a really similar sort of a feel? Like, you know, the town obviously alive again. Liam and I were much too young to really be uh, ripping in and enjoying it. I was 12 it. years old. I yeah. was in a sleepover. <laughs> yeah. We actually went out on the trampoline at half time because we thought the Knights had it done. So <laughs> came back in with 10 to go and I think we all shit oh, ourselves. Oh, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're, how was it there coming, getting the bus back into Newcastle for, for the second uh, second grand final? Now, uh, how was it sort of different for, for yourself now as a bit of a mat- more mature player? Yeah, it was... Just the 97 was crazy, you know. There, there was people everywhere. We had police escorts in town. I think Maddie and Joey got on the roof of a police car um, <laughs> at Wall's End. Uh, it was, uh, people were just running out of the streets. And it was, it was very similar in 2001. But the main thing I remember about 2001 is um, yeah, we came in on the bus in Newcastle Road. I think we turned into the stadium, turned right. And then would have turned left in again. Maybe Turton Road. Is it Turton Road? Yeah, yeah. And the whole, the the place was lit up. Like the lights were on like someone was playing. And then the crowd was full. And it, we were just going, it's three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and, and the, the crowd, we got 20,000 people at Marathon. And um, we did a bit of a victory lap and you know, had a laugh and all that sort of stuff. And drunk some beer and carried on. And, you know, the thing that struck me is on, on the lap around and we on the back of a truck was... Um, there was kids there in their pyjamas, you know, like four and five years old but <laughs> yeah. in yeah. three o'clock in the morning <laughs> watching a couple of drunks go around the field. So it was, uh, it really struck me. And, you know, then, you know, there was a lot of shenanigans went on after that in terms of even the crowd. I know we got back um, after Mad well, for Mad Monday yeah, and, yeah. and one of the goalposts was bent. You know, like, <laughs> so God knows what the crowd got up to after we left. But it was, um, yeah, it was just, it's crazy scenes and it was uh it, like i say to everyone and i've said it just there before you just wish all your friends could experience what what you get to experience in that in that crazy little period after a grand final and even leading up to it you know the experiences that you get it's um it's certainly not your average sort of um life you know <laughs> yeah, yeah no I, i'll say i bet growing up in cessnock uh and you know and just playing footy and loving footy and then all of a sudden you've got twenty thousand fans there at three in the morning uh for the second time you know and that you have this almost like rock star sort of uh, celebrity status um you know really at that very point you know having you know children being brought in from you know probably maitland and all the different areas you know just to see um just to see you walk off the bus must have been pretty special yeah it was and i think a, a lot of us are quite proud of it you know playing for the club and, and for the region. You know, it's, um, you know, you talk about players that come from outside and, and whether they become part of the fabric or not. You know, you look at Ben Kennedy, he came and was was part of the fabric straight away. You know, uh, whereas you look at... If you're going to live in the town, you're accountable for the rest of your life. You're accountable for what you do on, on and off the field, you know. So if you conduct yourself in the right manner, people treat you well. And if you don't, well, they don't, which is fair enough. And... Um, I, I think that was a responsibility for us and to, to go through the good times knowing you had that responsibility made it a little bit better and I think, um, yeah, I, I just think w- we were really proud of where we came from to s- so to see it um, uh, manifest in that manner was, uh, was pretty special. It's amazing and you got to pass kind of that feeling of, you know, Novocastrian pride onto one of the, the newest local products in Nick Meaney um, handing him his jersey and I believe his cap on debut mate how, did 
could you tell how much it would have meant to a young bloke like that to be handed his jersey from a club legend like yourself and you know a local like a well like, i don't know i don't know whether he remembered me but <laughs> <laughs> no he, he was uh he, he was pretty stoked i think you know clearly he had a lot on his mind it was the day before the game at the the captain's run but um you know i did mention to him i said look um i've only got one piece of advice for you and that's be the player that everyone wants to play with which is one of the pillars that the club was built on and um I said to him, I did say though, it sounds really easy, but it's not because it means you're putting your team first. And at the end of the day, to put other people in front of yourself is not an easy job. Um, so I think that's why in that era, we had, a, we had a lot of success on the back of not as much talent as other teams, I think, is because we were prepared to put the other blokes first. And um, I, think that, I think that's what the club He's, he's slowly getting back to, but uh, it just t- takes time. It was 2000, uh, 2008, I think, is when you finished up as uh, strength and conditioning coach with the Knights uh, and then went over 2009, I think, to the Harlequins? Or was it? Or uh, was it se- seven, eight, and nine. Seven, yeah. eight, nine, yeah. So you, when you said goodbye to, to rugby league as, uh, you know, as, as something that you're doing uh, as a profession and then you've since uh, moved on to, uh, to mining and also being a... a, a a representative of uh, New South Wales mining as well. Uh, what was that change like leaving football? Yeah, it was uh, it was hard. Uh, it had been my life for so long, you know. So uh, to to go into something completely different, I'll, I'll I'll admit that it was uh, challenging, but it was also I enjoyed the challenge. I enjoyed the thought that I can go out and and make a quid doing something else, you know. So and I, I like the challenge of mining. Uh, it's it's not for everyone. It's not the safest industry, although it's making leaps and bounds into getting better. But um, it was just, uh, yeah, it was it was something I wanted the, my kids to grow up in this area. So we, because of how the experience I got when I grew up, I, you know, I'm glad that I got them to got they were able to to live life in London and and see a bit of the world. And you know, we did a bit of travel while we were over there, so they got to see bits and pieces. Not that I remember a lot because they were young, but. <laughs> But I wanted them to grow up here, and and to do that, when I came back to Newcastle, there was a possibility of a job and maybe a part-time job, but it wasn't going to be full-time. So, uh, you know, instead of like you know the family had um, stroked my ego long enough and let me <laughs> stay in football for as long as I did, so I thought, well, it's time for me to knuckle down and and do what I can do. So, you know, I worked at underground coal mines for eight years, and now I'm actually over at the the uh, Port Waratah Coal Services at the, the coal ladder. So similar sort of thing, but slightly different. Still being around the club, obviously uh, seeing uh, all the, uh, the trials and tribulations. Is that a word, Liam? Tribulations? Tribulations, tribulations. yes. And it is our word, word of, of the, the week, week Nagy. <laughs> tribulations. <laughs> if I can find the word sound. There it is. Word of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for playing along, Billy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. um, so you have those, you know, do you, obviously still following the game and being in the town and, and uh, you know, what's it like uh, being... You know, now spectator and watching uh, watching the team go uh, through. You know, living through the successes, but also through the hard times. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's hard to watch sometimes. I, I, I won't deny that. Um, but also, it gets easier in that your livelihood is not on the line every week like it used to be. You know, and 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 as opposed to playing, you don't feel like you're being hit by a bus the next day. You know, so. <laughs> um, but you do. You like the fire still burns. Anyone that says that they they hate it and don't want to do it and, you know i think they're they're either cheating themselves or telling themselves lies you know like you don't do it for that long and not enjoy it um we used to joke about it that they were paying us 
to go and do what we do for free, you know. Like, <laughs> and to the point where even I used to say, I used to say to people, I get paid to train and I'll play for free. That's <laughs> brilliant. So, so um, at, at the end of the day, you, you do. You love the town and you love the team and you love you love the sport. So um, it is hard to watch the hard times, but like I say, that, that the good times are coming back and it's going to be more sweet when when we do win another comp, you know, which is, I don't think, that far away. I think oh so God, too. No. I think we're just going to have a quick, uh, quick halftime break and we'll be right back to talk about all the uh, Origin uh, Eels game and uh, everything Billy Peden. We'll be right back. <laughs> Beauty. <coughs> all right. That was all. As gold. That's the old literal <laughs> give yourself an uppercut. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome right back to the second half of the Joust. We're here with Knights legend Billy Peden. Now, Billy, uh, you were at the, uh, the Eels uh, game. Uh, the, the, the recent win we got, uh, finding a bit of form again against uh, the Eels in, in front of a, uh, a nice home crowd there. Uh, and you were up in the, the old boys box, uh, you were saying. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was hosting the old boys box. So I had a few of the old fellas up there and uh, we uh, polished off a few... Uh, stubbies of forex gold, of course. <laughs> Excellent, uh, as is tradition <laughs> with yeah. the old boys. Yes, yes, um, definitely mid strength, but actually <laughs> two is is the one of choice. Yeah. <laughs> then it was a very close game. Obviously, came down to the wire. Uh, uh, Liam, you also at the game? I uh, was. I damn near had a heart attack. It was a stressful <laughs> evening. It was. I've never heard a collective sigh of fifteen thousand people when they went over for that last. You know, no try at the time, but there was just this enormous sigh as soon as he crossed the line, and then dead silence. Parramatta players are cheering and hooting and then the ref goes i've got no try no. the place erupted it was brilliant i've never i've never seen so many people collectively uh cheer someone else's misfortune it was awesome <laughs> i loved it loved every second of it but yeah it shortened my lifespan well, i think uh, getting that really close win uh, against paramount obviously uh, and the first game of uh mitchell pierce being back and we like to give uh, uh hats off to who we think uh is uh, was the best player uh, of of that round, um, would you would you agree that it would have to be probably Piercy coming back? Oh, I think so. I think his steady head sort of got us got us home, and I think if he hadn't have been injured, we would have won a few more games just with the just with the knowledge of being in that position for a long time. I, you know, it was great to see him back. He's uh, you know he's been really good since he's been here, and he's, you know I've bumped into him a few times off the field, and he's got a, a great demeanour. He, he carries himself really well. He's very respectful, and you know I think he's been great. They tested him out as well. I think straight off the kickoff, they had uh, first hit up running straight at him, second hit up straight at him. They really tested that pack. And besides losing a boot, he seemed to come out of it pretty healthy. But yeah, he just showed what that kind of experienced long kicking game can offer that we've lacked a bit over the last few weeks. He just had the ball on a string, putting Parramatta backwards, getting him back into there. It was unbelievable. It was excellent. He really showed his class. Um, and when you were saying that... Uh, you know, Ben Kennedy's came into the fold and just fit in right away. Uh, it, it really reminded me of, of someone like Mitchell Pearce, who, you know, was just with, with East for so long. And you just see him as, you know, an integral part of that side. And then mid-season sort of changing. And then you think, is he going to fit in? Is this guy from, you know, Bondi going to come to the Knights and try to make uh, the team his own in, in a really negative way? But I think, if anything, he's adopted the culture. Would you agree? Absolutely, yeah. And the, the couple of conversations I've had with him, he's been really keen to hear some input from the old boys and, and how the club how the club was good back in the day and and whether there could be any sort of parallels that they could use now so you know you know i think he's i think he's been really good um and hopefully he's, he's um, peck stays together for the rest of the year fingers crossed <laughs> like we said but, uh, we'll, we'll happily donate ours we, <laughs> yeah. we don't have much use for any of the muscles in our body <laughs> yeah. so if he needs it we'll get rid of it you can take, i think we've got a bit of a, a footage up here of um mitchell pierce's return um uh which you know really sort of uh you know, just just shows when the game was on the line. Obviously, it's ten all at this stage, um, and it's just coming up now. 
right when we needed it and just that kind of control and energy i think in the last few games we've we've been missing uh and i, th- I think uh you know a lot of the other times being 10 nil down from the from the get-go the knights would have lost that game Absolutely. And I think two other things to come out of that try that I love. First of all, the pass from Chris Hingding-ding-ding-ding, the Chris oldest Hing-ding. man in the NRL. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful pass. Really good quick hands. <laughs> but the work of Daniel Safidi as that running that decoy line, he's my hats off for the week. It didn't really show in his stats. They were decent enough stats. Pretty good for a front rower. But his impact was huge. Every time we had... Uh, Parramatta camped in their own 20. He was the first out of the line. He was putting defensive pressure on. He was drawing four and five defenders every time. He got the, you know, I think it was uh, the Kenny Dow try. Four defenders on him, got the offload away. His return was amazing. He's got huge things ahead of him. I'm so glad to have him back. Oh. How important is that big man uh, in, the, in the side? Um, Absolutely. It, like playing, obviously, with uh, a lot of big men, uh, whether it be, you know, Butts or, uh, or Chief. Um, and just, you know, having that, that sort of, leader forward um, to a side how much does it change uh, when they're not there oh you, you just don't have that alpha figure on the field if that's the case you know um, you know, we used to be devastated if Chief would pull out at the last minute which he had to on occasion with uh, with the injuries with the way he treated his body over the years in terms of the, how tough he played the game so you know it, it's it is hard when you lose a player like that so um, you know and I think um, I think Daniel's got um, uh, a great future in front of him that's just um he's got to keep improving now that's the thing you know it's it's a, as a younger forward he's got a lot to to sort of grow into not physically i, I mean just as in the stature of the game you know like a, a man of that size you, uh, hopefully down the track you want him to be one of the most feared men in the comp you know you want and that, that's probably not the the most politically correct thing to say, but you want people driving up that M1 shitting their gear because <laughs> yeah. they've got that big lunatic's going to bash us again, you know? So, And and that's the way it was. Yeah, uh, speaking wh- with a few of the old boys, you, you talk about, you know, even in the early years when Newcastle weren't winning a lot of games, at least the opposing teams knew they were coming up to Marathon. Yeah. And they were getting the shit kicked out of them. <laughs> yeah, and that, and, and that was the sole intention. And it, it wasn't malicious. There was no, um, you know, it wasn't by any means going to be done by cheap shots or anything like that but mate, if you could hurt someone yes that's what you're going to do i didn't want to have 110 kilo blokes run at me all day so if i get hurt in the first time <laughs> and discourage him from doing it again i was going to do it it's a bloody so, good hard rugby league that is yeah it? so um but one thing another thing about that trial you mentioned all the good things there you got chris throwing that great silky little ball and 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 um daniel doing the 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 sort of block play but then for Mitchell to run onto a ball like that he he's got intent that he's going to run you know he's not and not many halfbacks are brave enough to do that sort of stuff you know and particularly they're they're trying to orchestrate and do other things and he's had the presence of mind to just go you know what I'm just going to hit a hole here and run which you know that a lot of blokes could learn from that and especially coming back from injury you know still out there still kind of testing himself seeing if he's all right yeah it was said, a bit of a statement yeah, yeah. A, bit, a bit of a statement that oh, i'm here and i'm having a crack you know so it was beautiful yeah. <laughs> but also there was a you know we'd like to give a, an award out um you know for something that uh that we we, we thought was particularly good or particularly bad and these are the smiling brownies uh, and this more week, often though frowning brownies more often though frowning <laughs> brownies but smiling brownies this week uh, goes to uh cameron king i think we got a bit of footage of cameron uh, who uh, he, he managed to do something very interesting, and that's uh, punch himself in the face, <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know didn't even see it coming, which is interesting because it's his own arm. 
Uh, now, Bill, you've got you've got much more experience playing high level rugby league than Nagy and I, as yeah. we have none. We've none um, yeah. Is that a tactic you've ever heard of? You've ever seen before? Where did it come from? Yeah, I, I think it's just a quality accident. I think. <laughs> How do you do that? Like, particularly, he was so surprised when it happened. <laughs> he got himself good too. I remember right. he stayed down for quite a bit. Actually, yeah. after that one, he was rattled. He, might, he might get six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> get sent to the bin. Yeah, yeah that's it. That's an automatic 10 minutes. We'll be launching an investigation to that, Billy. Don't worry about that. That's <laughs> yeah. It's going to be very interesting. He was actually asking the referee, uh, can you say, you know, who hit me? You know? yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the Knights got away, um, you know, very, very sort of lucky but it was the win that we needed uh it was the win that we needed coming up against the side at the bottom of the comp uh, obviously without mitchell there uh you know we've, we've been struggling and especially we're lo- losing ponga as well uh, who's just been a godsend uh to the to the team um but how do you see the last uh the last sort of third of the season still a lot of footy to play uh with the likes of of, of pierce back well I, and i think don't overshadow the fact that kaylin will be back in a week or two as well you know yeah. so to have both of those guys back on the park, it gives a fair bit of potency to our back line, you know. So, um, it, it's, it, I think it's, I think we've got a lot of positives to look forward to. I, I just think if we can keep everyone else else healthy, um, then we're a chance to slip in. But, um, you know, just we'll have to see how it goes. It'll take a lot of mental strength, particularly from the younger blokes. That's, that's the hardest thing when you're a young bloke. That to get the back end of the year, the back third. That's where all the me- mental demons start coming in. You, you know, every every little bump feels a little bit worse. You, you're getting tired. You sore, um, and you know it's the grisly older blokes that seem, seem to sort of cope with that a little bit better. But you know, in saying that, I can't see that happening to Kalen. He's um he's been like you say, he's been outstanding and he's unflappable. You know, <laughs> isn't it funny how how um how heavily Nathan Brown was bagged for signing him for how much money? <laughs> yeah. I can't hear many of those people now. That's it. They're pretty quiet. The yeah. the, the old peanut gallery of uh, of the NRL, especially you know, Knights fans can be guilty of this as well, and and really just you know having so much faith in the club and really want to make every decision uh, the right one. And you know, there was a lot of people had a lot of faith in Kalen, but I think you know, almost paying marquee money for someone who only uh, had played a handful of first grade games, and now he's looking at going to be the Dally M uh, of, of the year if he continues to to play well. Uh, which I'm sure he is. He's just gone from you know that uh, un- unrecognisable player to superstardom in in you know a few short months. Can you remember anyone else um, sort of doing that, coming onto the scene and really bursting the way he has? Uh, maybe Joey. Yeah. Uh, apart from that, n- not too many really ca- just come to mind. Uh, probably Freddie back in the day as well. He was um, he was 18 year old and playing for Australia, which you know Kalen's 20. So there's been some been some sort of great players come through at an early age you know i almost laugh when they're saying oh kaylin might be a bit young and all this for origin and thank thank god they didn't pick him in the first one <laughs> yeah and, no, uh, was... you know billy slater started when he was 20 so it's funny you mentioned origin actually because uh you know we all watch origin together at the mark hughes foundation uh once a night uh night's old boys uh, event at, for Origin 2. Uh, now, Origin 3, Liam, you were watching it at the uh, the Commonwealth Hotel, actually. I was at the Commie, yep. Enjoyed a few delicious uh, delicious red wines. So, <laughs> had a few, uh, knocked a few back that night and watched some footy. Great crowd at the Commie. It's a great place to watch uh, watch live sport, as we've discussed. Do you head down to the Commie at all? Uh, I've been Billy? to the Commie, commie on occasions. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I try not to be... Um 
What's the wrong word? Too frequent? <laughs> Too frequent or not frequent enough. <laughs> so so. Stephen Crow's a real, uh, real you know, mainstay there. I think every time we go there, even if it's on a, you know, a Monday night for Moorish Mondays, we run into Stephen Crow. He's mm-hmm. a big fan of the, of the commie. And it's good to see all, a lot of nights contingent there. But uh, obviously not the result that we wanted to get. No, uh, there was... Uh, it, it was definitely a game that was... It was on the line the whole game. I don't recall a game being that close and... You know, being decided so late, it was a hell of a hell of a rugby league game. Despite the result, you know, obviously, you know how I get an origin now. You yeah, I left very unhappy, <laughs> but it was a hell of a game. I think the Blues showed that we've got, you know, we're stuck. We're at the start of kind of a multi-series, multi-generational type thing. I don't want to jump the gun too early, but you might I think have, yeah. I think I have. But I've been known to do that. But um, yeah, I think I wasn't too disappointed with the loss. Yeah, I, I think it's easy to jump on the thought process of dynasty and all that sort of stuff. And I think that I think we're looking towards a good period with New South Wales. But you know, you can see during that game, you can see why conspiracy theories abound. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what what I just thought great was New South Wales resilience. You know, I'd never seen a team be under the pump that much for that long, and and end up at in front at half time. Like and then. You would have thought, you know, it'll be a blowout. Queensland will win by by 20-odd towards the back end of the game because because of the effort that was expended in the first half, and they just hung in there. So I thought it was great. Um, mind you, at the time, I was trying to throw a stubby at my television. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank, God I, thank God I couldn't hit it. But um, it was just, uh, I thought the resilience they showed was amazing uh, under huge adversity. Um, you know, I, I'm one of Freddie Fittler's biggest fans, but to see him getting interviewed during the first half, I thought I nearly vomited on my lounge. <laughs> I just thought it's you know, there's other stuff that needed doing rather than a Channel 9 interview. And, and if he was telling the truth, the people from Queensland, all they had to do was watch the telly and uh, they know what he's doing. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. It was, it was a weird so, one. So I don't know he, how I felt about If he's about telling that. the truth, then the other team can use it. If he's not telling the truth, that's not, what's the point of adding it? So, yeah. anyway. It was it, a weird one. It is interesting seeing it during the game, you know, that you get the halftime, they're all sort of, you know, what do you think? What's the plan? And, but, you know, to have it during the first half, especially after, you know, the Blues are under so much pressure. Yeah, I would have thought he had other jobs to... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, plenty, plenty of things to think about. Not to mention, yeah, putting a microphone in his face and uh, you know having him broadcast live. Uh, it's definitely something for them to think about. Not but to- I think it's definitely part of what Freddie's doing with having the players, you know, completely open to the media. He's building a New South Wales team that we can love. Like remember the last few teams, mm. it's been, mm. I, you know, I really want them to win, but. Mm. Geez, there's some dickheads in there. It's yeah. like, you know, Freddie's really creating this air of we're open. We're your, we're, we're the people's team. You know, we're really doing it for the state. We're not doing it for the trophy. We're doing it for the people in New South Wales. And yeah. I kind of get that that fell under that a bit, but mm. still, mid-game, you know, one of the tensest games in on the planet in state of origin. It just yeah, it felt a bit weird. Kind of, mm. I feel like it would have might have taken away for a bit for him. Oh, I just—that's just my opinion. I didn't yeah. like it, but um, I agree with what you're saying. I, I and I am a big fan of Freddie, and um, the fact that he he has done things differently, uh, I think that's why we won the series. Mm. At the end of the day, like, uh, what's the definition of insanity is to do the same thing and expect a different result. So that's New South Wales byline for yeah. the last decade. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, at the end of the day, he's done a great job. He put the right people in the right positions, and um, you know, look what happened. So he picked on four. He didn't 
you know. Yeah, that groundbreaking enough, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was a bit surprised there. It was just good as a night supporter. You know, obviously, we've had three very tough years. And to see uh, a bit of life back in the season this season, as well as a, uh, a New South Wales uh, series win, uh, was something pretty incredible. Liam, we're running very short on time, so we're going to open that sack of yours. Opening the sack. <laughs> That's a big sack. It's oh, <laughs> not the first to comment on the size of it. No, it's, uh, there's a doctor currently doing a study on it. Right. Now, Marcus James Harborn, first question from the sack. I'll direct this one to you, uh, Billy. Should Nathan Ross come into the starting lineup or do we keep him on the bench? Where do you see Rossi fitting in for the rest of the year? Obviously, Sione received a uh, um, an eye injury and he's going to be out for two weeks. Yeah, I, I think probably as a as a stopgap, you put him back in the centres, maybe. But um, you know. I think Rossi's a good, great player. He probably deserves to be starting, but um, probably for now, if if Sione wasn't out, you'd probably leave him on the bench for now. But um, he'll definitely work his way back in because he's a quality player. Absolutely, I I actually be really glad to see him at centre. I thought when he played centre this year, he quitted mm. himself really well. His defence mm. was great, good hands. I felt really safe mm. with him on the edge there in centre. So yeah, I think I think he'll be at centre with Sione out for two to three weeks. Yeah, mm. fractured eye socket, no concussion though, guys. That's a good thing because. When he, when he went down, I remember turning to my dad and I said, hey, that's it. That's mm. He'll be done. One yeah. more and he's done. So, yeah. so yeah, we think here at the Joust, Maggie, you agree? Ross I can play, okay, Ross to centre. I think he's done a really good job this season. Excellent. Yep. Now, Justin Guion touching again on Nick Meaney. With Meaney having a great debut for the club, should we rest Ponga the extra week from his hamstring strain? Make sure he comes back 100%. Well, got to ask also, like, what did you think of the debut of Nick Meany? Um, obviously handing over the jersey. Uh, uh, I a, think it was great, yeah. yeah. I thought he, uh, he handled himself with aplomb. He, um, he, wasn't, he wasn't flustered or, or didn't get his uh, feathers ruffled at all. He was, did his job and, and was really good, I thought. So, you know, he's, he should be really proud of his first grade debut. I thought it was really mature of the Knights because there's obviously Meany's signed with the Bulldogs next year and a lot of clubs uh, tend to look the other way when it comes to, um, you know, and it happened to Kalen last year when he'd already signed with the Knights and, and the, had the Cowboys side uh, that could have used Kalen Ponga and they decided to keep him out. Um, but I think in today's game, you know, with, um, you know, contracts being, you, you know, the, the, the kind of one club players like yourself, Billy, and things like this, it seems to be uh, a thing of the past. It is more of a business-driven sort of a thing and, you know, players will move around. You can't get too attached. But while you have them on the books and they're talented players, you've got to use them. And I, and I think it was really commendable by the Knights to, to choose uh, Nick Meaney in a, in a pivotal role at fullback when they had Nathan Ross on the bench, someone who's played there before. So I think it was just really uh, really good to see that we, you know, this is someone we fostered up and we're, and we're seeing him playing first grade. Mm. Uh, it's, I, I'm, I'm really happy to see him. Hopefully, um, if Pong is no good, to be back in that fullback job. I'd gladly see him, Nick Meaney start next week against the Titans. Having done a few hamstring injuries in my time, they're even the the little innocuous ones are only a few weeks to be out for. You still, you know, if you come back a bit early, you just don't feel right. So mm. I I'd be happy to have Nick Meaney play fullback against the Titans because, like you said, he was he was great. He was safe. He was really solid. I thought he had a hell of a debut. Yeah, way, yeah. I think the other thing you got to do, like I, I'd be totally confident in him being there. But I think you just got to trust your medical staff. If they're saying Kalen's right, then I know who I pick. You know, you, you know, Nick wouldn't be going to Canterbury next year. If Caelan wasn't there, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, So, and you're right about trusting the medical staff. I mean, Tony Ayub, he's one of the best in the business. He's been yeah. everywhere. So, if if he says he's right, then he's, then he's yeah. bloody right. Yeah. Now, last question for the evening. This one's from Daniel Turner. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, this one's a bit of a doozy. Now, why has Nathan Brown uh, con- consistently decided to go with Josh King over Luke Yates? Okay. Daniel is a Josh King supporter. 
don't think he should be ahead of Luke Yates. Don't think he offers quite as much. I think I'm inclined to agree. I think Josh King over the last few weeks, he, while he's been far from terrible, I just think he's been a, a wee bit below first grade standard. And Luke Yates has shown a few times that um, he's got what it takes. You know, he can play a pretty good game of rugby league at prop. So where do we see Josh King? What's You're closer to the side, Billy. What do you think uh, between those two players? Do you think maybe uh, Yates over, over King or do you think King uh, offers oh, more in the front row? I'm a massive Luke Yates fan. I, I, I just love the way he plays. He's like just gets in there and rips in and, and leaves nothing in the sheds. But in saying that, I, I like King as well, you know, so... Um, you know, blokes have paid more money than me to make those decisions. <laughs> but I, I just love when uh, when Luke Luke Yates is playing. I, I, it, it, for me, I, I love a bloke that's as passionate as that. I still have dreams about that hit he put on Elijah Taylor at Tamworth against the, the Tigers. Tigers. Yeah, that was he got penalised for tackling too. Uh, yeah, yeah that's, so, that's, I'm that's working a, on a letter to Todd Greenberg about <laughs> yeah, that. I still haven't forgiven it. That's the worst decision in rugby league history. Easily. Like, if, if that was the case, Mark Lanville in that 97 hitting, who would he hit? Craig Field, yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't ever play the game again. Yeah. He would have been out. That was the biggest hit I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah, no, I have to, I have to agree. Like, uh, look, I think King's probably been a little bit under there, but we're 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 down in our f- uh, front row stocks. Got to remember moment. though, we got JJ Felice playing in reserve grade, having signed from the Tigers. Apparently, he's been tearing up reserve grade in his two games so far as well. So we've got him to come into contention. In the front row stocks as well. So front, front row is an interesting position, I think, um, especially like a starting front row. It's it you know it coming off the bench is, you know, you get a bit of um, you know you're coming into a bit of a padded side. But you know to ca- take those first big hits and uh, those first hard runs, the meters made in that first half. Uh, obviously, you know, very tough meters. And I think a young bloke like Josh King, who's done his sort of uh, tutelage in uh, in uh, uh, the Knights' colours uh, and worked his way through, much like Yates has as well. But I think just as a front row, I think, I don't know, Josh King's a bit better to take the first few bumps. Would you agree? Uh, I, I just think it's a huge responsibility to be a starting front row. Yeah. Uh, I've actually done it myself. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> I wouldn't realise. The... My first first grade game, starting game was in the front row. So <laughs> oh, good Against Lord. St. George in Adelaide. So uh, it's a huge responsibility. Um, look, to be honest, I'd probably, I like Yates, yep. but at the end of the day. Um, and to have played a couple of reserve grade games is great. And you, you, it's a great headache for Brownie to have is a couple of front rowers performing. So something we probably haven't had that, that much of over the last couple of years. Yeah, this isn't a discussion we've had much <laughs> since no. we started the joust. There's been yeah. really no selection talk because <laughs> it was just like, well, we just pick whoever's there. And yeah, whoever's fit and <laughs> yeah. we've got left. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting also. We've got some players coming back as well. But obviously, you know, whoever's partnering up with Daniel Safiti, I think that really uh, adds to those front row stocks. I think it's going to be really good. Uh, we'll just finish with a score prediction against the Titans, Liam. Last home game of five. Oh, God. Well, the Titans game last... Week, oh, not last week. Last time we played him was a bit of a shambles, but yeah. they've seemed to have gone backwards while the Knights have kind of stayed static. So I'm tipping the Knights by always high scoring games 30 points to 22. Okay, yeah, interesting. Billy, you have a. I'm tipping a closer game. I'm saying 18 8. 18 8. Nice. Uh, and I'll go, I'll go 30 points to 20, which I thought oh, it was. Yeah, yeah. Very right. the same. Uh, it's a sale of the century <laughs> tactic. <laughs> That so price is right. We get five cents above, so you win. Oh, right. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's a little bit before <laughs> really my time. Really screw me, Nag. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us, Billy. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here. Um, you know, it means so much to Liam and I, especially to have uh, a true childhood hero to, to come and uh, have, talk to us about footy. It's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you like the Joust, uh, please uh, you know jump on uh, the Joust Facebook page.
page. We're on Facebook, YouTube. Uh, you know the rest, Liam, with it. Twitter, uh, Twitter Instagram. Twitter, Instagram. All, all the pipes. All the social pipes oh, you can find us on. Uh, hopefully, we'll get that win against the Titans. Liam, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure. And thank you very much, Billy. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, boys. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks very much. Mate, I honestly can't thank you yeah. enough. Yeah, no worries at all. Brilliant. Try, try not to be too